It starts right now. You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. Be like, oh, these are stupid guns. Guns uh. are for jerks. <laughs> Run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists. You throw them in jail. Everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, you're back on the streets doing the yeah. same, same thing. So you just put them in the morgue. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, mother... The Great Pirate Wobbles is here for you. Pain heals. Cheeks, digs, scars. Glory. Last forever. If you will not turn to the dark side, then perhaps she will. What's in the box? This is called Pirate Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my name is Mike Lunsford and this is GGR Pirate Radio. Guys, we have a fantastic show in store for you. Last week we started something that we uh, couldn't finish, so we're bringing it over to this episode tonight. We are talking about our favorite sci-fi TV shows. Uh, we're going to also kick into a new segment we're doing here tonight. It's called The Geek Sheets, where we talk about uh, all of the geeky, nerdy news that's going on in our uh, wonderful pop culture world. But we also have a very special guest tonight. His name is Steve Connolly. He's going to be telling us about his uh, his new comic book Kickstarter adventure that he's doing. Um, and actually, guys, I think we're going to go ahead and start with Steve, because I know he's a busy guy. So we'll give him his time first, and then uh, we'll jump into the geek sheet. So uh, let me go ahead and... and, uh, now, and Mention everybody that's on the show because we got a great panel of guests tonight. I've got Andy Barsh, who is a longtime GGR, uh, the Great Geek Refuge contributor. Say hello to the fine folks, Andy. Hello, fine folks, and some of you that that don't look so much. Well, that that was very nice of you to be very inclusive, Andy. Well done. Um, so we also have um, my partner in crime with this pirate radio adventure, that is Mr. Steve Monick. Good evening, everyone. And then we also have the aforementioned, uh, wonderfully talented artist, Mr. Steve Connolly. Hello. I like that one word. Very to the point. I appreciate that, Steve. Um, so the reason I had you on is, first off, let me gush for just a second and tell you how much of a fanboy I am of your stuff. Because every time I see that you have another page out for your your current project that you're working on, um, I get so excited. I'm like, oh, dude, this is going to be great. I've been, I've really enjoyed following along with it. Um, I, tell tell us a little bit about it for people who are unfamiliar with what you do and the and the, and the project that you're working on right now. Well, that's really kind of you to say. Um, it's called The Middle Age. It's a weekly web comic. It's been going on for about two years. It's a story about a middle aged knight who is uh, got a cursed sarcastic sword and is on a quest to rescue his love from dragons. That's kind of the semi elevator pitch. It doesn't really. It's more like. <laughs> the simple explanation uh it's been lucky enough to get a couple of eisner and ringo award nominations and it's currently having a kickstarter to collect about the first 80 to 100 strips depending on how the kickstarter goes into a hardcover book for the first time so and the kickstarter is going really well uh i've really been overwhelmed by how uh 
how supportive and kind people have been about it. So it's, it's pretty great. Well, definitely don't sell yourself short at all either, Steve. Like this is not just like a, oh, it's just a knight and a dragon. and it's, uh, No, it's it's incredibly funny. It's really well written. The art is, is really fun, but it's like, it's really easy to pick up and follow along. It's not one of those things where it's like, oh, great. I got to start from the very beginning. No, you can pick up and read any single one of these panels that you're doing or any of the stories and kind of have an idea of what's going on. So and that in in the world that we exist in, that's not always easy. So I definitely want to give you kudos for that. Well, thanks. That's part of part of the design was the, the notion that every one of these episodes is somebody's first. Yeah. And since it's only weekly, I kind of have I don't you know it, it feels like you know comic book shop Wednesday where you have one opportunity a week to kind of get some attention. And once that week goes away, or once that day goes away, you're kind of everyone's caught up in the news or caught up in something else. And so I kind of think of each one of these as a as an opportunity to meet some new people and make some new fans. And so each one has to kind of stand on its own simply because they're a week apart and, you know, God bless the people who've been sticking with me for two years on this because I'll leave them up. You know, there was one episode where uh, it looked like a character was going to die and no, it looked like a character had died. And they, they basically people have, have had to suffer a week thinking he, he maybe had passed away and uh, the comments were lovely and fantastic, but it was immediately, uh, the following Monday when the new episode came out, I kind of said, no, no, he's alive, everyone, he's fine. But anyone reading the book, the collection from Kickstarter now, they're not going to have that reaction. So there's kind of these two different tracks of audiences. The one, the people who are going to binge it in a yeah. single sitting, and then, uh, you know, the people who've been struggling along with me one week at a time. Yeah. But I, I'm so glad you like it. That's oh, yeah. That's really nice of you to say. Oh, no, I, I, I totally love it. And, like, um, ever since, actually, you're, um, I got introduced to you by a mutual friend, Ben Shaw, Um and like he was like, oh, I know this guy Steve, and and he said, you know, this about our comic book when we were doing Ethan Stone, and I was just like, oh, okay, just some guy named Steve, right? I was like, whatever, and just kind of blew it off. And then he was like, he was like, oh, this is Steve, and he showed me like your Facebook page, and I was like, oh, oh crap, oh, oh my god, this guy knows what he's talking about. Damn, I feel like an asshole now. Like, no, no, that's, that's reaction. That's like when you find out someone's a cartoonist who has a web comic. It's sort of like getting your friends, you know, here's the download from my band. You know, you're like, oh, okay, you know, <laughs> you, you, yeah. you kind of maybe briefly listen to half of a track and you hope it's not terrible and uh it's it, you know it's well it's i'm glad it, you didn't find it terrible oh yeah no definitely definitely not man um but you've worked you've worked on a lot of other stuff too um I, I i saw like some of the star trek stuff that you did i just was absolutely in love with because we're i mean that's kind of the tie-in with all of this too is we're gonna be talking about sci-fi shows today um what, are, what other, other stuff would people maybe have recognized that you've worked on Oh boy, I, I haven't done a ton of mainstream stuff. Uh, I mostly done independent stuff like my own astounding space thrills, but I have dipped my toe in a little bit of DC comics. I wrote a little Aquaman, very little, like like a short story, and then like the handbook of Aquaman for DC. I wrote, um, I drew Star Trek as you mentioned for IDW, their year four, which kind of picked up the original series. Like at, at, we treated that series as if you know season three had ended and this was season four. Uh, and so I'm officially a Shatner and Nimoy approved artist because uh, in order for us to get that, this was the very first uh, licensed project, comic project that IDW had done with Paramount for Star Trek. And so I had to get uh, the likeness rights approved. So I had to draw sketches for them to, or at least their teams, yeah. you know, Shatner's and Nimoy's teams to approve. Uh, so that, that stayed on my resume for a very long time. Shatner approved artist. Um, <laughs> Shatner approved artist, Steve Connelly. And, and a couple other little projects. But for the most part, yeah. I've been a self-publisher, and I do a ton of stuff for educational companies now. That kind of pays the bills. But, you know, my, my heart is really into the middle age right now. Yeah, and I, and I think that that's actually – that really fits too because um, I think – I mean, both Steve and I um, have our day jobs 
But um, when we're not doing those, um, I mean, we're podcasting, we're doing GGR. Andy's the same way. Andy's got a day job. He is an up-and-coming artist as well. Um, I mean, like, it's it's so cool when you love something so much that even though you have, you know, your 40 hours somewhere else, you're still putting time into the thing that you love. And that's that that's part of why we do GGR and part of the reason why I was so glad you were able to join us because I, I know that you're a, a hardworking dude. So we always appreciate that. Um, Andy, Steve, do you guys have any questions for, uh, for Steve? Yeah. So I've been checking out a little bit of, um, the middle age here, just reading it and everything. Like what, what was your biggest inspiration for coming up with medieval and, but having it kind of a, like a comedy style instead of doing something more like dramatic? Well, if, if you look at the strips, each one of the pages is if they're, if they're kind of like squarish, but they're kind of two, they're kind of two stacked layers. Um, that, so they have two, two rows. If you lay those next to each other, as, as it's viewed over on a website called Go Comics, it's actually the exact same size as a Calvin and Hobbes strip. So these are kind of inspired by newspaper strips. So each one kind of has to stand on its own. And so really, so thinking about newspaper strips and thinking about that each week has to be my introduction, knowing that I can only do one a week, each week, and that each week has to be an introduction to this thing. I thought comedy is the best way to go. It's uh, lighthearted. I mean, the idea of a, a knight having a sword and that the sword can talk, it meant that I only had to draw a guy holding a sword and I can have a whole conversation. It meant a lot less drawing. It fit the space a lot better. Comic strips are very small so and very horizontal. So his character ended up being very uh, horizontal. That kind of made him rounder as I was drawing him, <laughs> as I was sketching things out. Um, and the, I don't know, fantasy, I was a D&D player back in the day, back you know, way back in the day. And um, fantasy has always been a big part of my childhood and part of my life. And I hadn't really played in that area before. Um, And it was honestly, I was doing sketches to do a comic strip pitch for a syndicate. And I was at a Renaissance festival and I thought I should be drawing this stuff because people were having a blast. There was like, it was at the Maryland Renaissance festival and there's like goofy, you know, semi-serious, semi-authentic, not quite authentic and just just weird enough to be funny like the king's pita you know was the name of one of the huts and it's like that doesn't make any sense and it's stupid and awesome and i don't know things like that really tickled me so i i i thought i would just have fun in this area and plus i always like black adder i like monty python i like uh the princess bride those are mixed in there somehow there this isn't derivative and this isn't satire i'm not spoofing anything i'm trying to create something that can stand on its own but uh now, th- those are the things that are definitely rattling around in my head as I'm doing this. No, I was just going to say, like, I definitely got a, a taste of Monty Python when reading that first part where you're, and obviously it's Gwimfethul the Unpronounceable and stuff like that. Like, that that was just such a little, like, oh, this is, I, I see where this is kind of drawn, like, where this parallels from and everything. So, and it's nice because I don't think there's a ton of this out there. You know what I mean? You read marvel dc stuff like that there's certainly not a lot of like fantasy setting comedy stuff like it's it's a nice niche to fill that you don't realize you're missing until you're reading it and you're like oh this is really funny and i'm enjoying this because it's not like anything else out there and 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 thankfully matt graining is moving right into this space on august 17th on netflix and everyone will think i ripped him off so (laughs) even though yours pre-existed yours predated any of his stuff yeah Uh you know it's not when it came out. It's when you first saw it. Yeah, so I everything's gotcha. a ripoff of whatever you saw first. Yeah. All the more reason we got to get that, that uh, Kickstarter going and getting that hard bound out there, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's actually a great opportunity here. Let's let's tie that in real quick, Steve. If they want 
to help contribute to this fund? If they want to see your stuff, if they want to help this Kickstarter succeed, where can they go to do that? Well, if you go to middleagecomic.com, that's the main website for myself. And the story is free to read. You don't have to chip into the Kickstarter. If you don't have the 25 bucks to buy the book, please read the story. Uh, but if you want to get it all in a hardcover that you can binge at a much higher resolution and it's a much prettier size and format and all that, and the first of hopefully many volumes, you can go to Kickstarter and type in Steve Conley, C-O-N-L-E-Y, or type in the middle age. Uh, or if you're so inclined to type bit, B-I-T dot L-Y slash middle age comic all one word that will also take you there so uh andy you uh, you have a question as well uh yeah well first of all i'm looking at your website steve and i'm really fascinated by the range you have it's like you got cartoony stuff and you got like physical lightness it's pretty amazing uh, my question uh i'm just wondering how like like mike said i'm sort of trying to get into the business myself what's a good way for you to get your foot into the door I have found that <laughs> editors are very unimaginative. So uh, if you want to work for a company and you want to, I don't know, the, the, if you want to draw Captain America, then I would suggest drawing your own Captain America. Come up with your own Captain Freedom, uh, Sergeant uh, Valor, something like that, and just draw your own and do what the, basically do your Incredibles. You want to draw the Fantastic Four? Draw the Incredibles. And you'll show it to an editor, and the editor will say, wow, it'll be an easy jump from them to make to go oh wow this guy'd be perfect for the fantastic four i think that's that's one way to go if you want to if you want to work for marvel in dc if you want to do your own thing just do your own thing i mean there's there's a benefit to working for marvel in dc you'll get a free table at comic conventions you'll be a minor celebrity at those shows for as long as you have your book and maybe forever there are people who worked you know on a book for a couple of years in the bronze age and they have you know, an invitation every weekend to go sit up somewhere and sell prints and do things like that. So there's a kind of independent artist thing. But if you're going to, if you, it really kind of depends on what you want to do. Like in my case, I want to write and draw my own thing. And the best way to do that is to write and draw your own thing and keep at it as regularly as you can and hope it finds an audience and just keep getting better and know full well that you're going to hate what you did a month ago. You know, you're going to draw it. You're going to put it out there. You're going to love it for about 10 minutes and about a minute 11, you're going to look at it and go, Oh, I would have fixed everything about that. I would totally redraw that if I had the chance and just don't just keep moving forward and keep treading water and try to make it. And, um, and just hope you just keep improving. And I think, and I, I find that people who did that or have done that, especially right now, now that you've got crowdfunding things like Patreon and Kickstarter and stuff like that, you can, if you build an audience slow and steady and can continue to make the time and knock on wood, you don't have health problems or something like that, you can, you may be able to make it, but it, it's a long game. I mean, again, or, or it's overnight success. There's either overnight success or it's a long game and you know pretty quickly whether or not you've had overnight success. Yeah. <laughs> um, Steve, we're gonna we're gonna transition into our next segment here, which is uh, the geek sheets, where we're gonna be talking about like the big news in like the geek pop culture world uh, today. You are welcome to stay and chit chat with us. Um, if you're busy, you can also you can bail, man. We will not be offended, but it is it is your call at this point. Oh, I, I'll be offended. 
I've got, well, I've got some time, and I, I want to. I have no idea what's going on in the world, so I'm happy to hang around and listen. Nice. All right. Um, well, guys, um, before we jump into the geek sheets, um, make sure you go to the Middle Ages. You, it was, I'm sorry, Middle Age or Middle Ages? I always mess that up. Middle Middle Age, because it's a it's kind of a joke on the fact that this guy's middle aged. So it's the Middle Age, and it's so it's middleagecomic.com. 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 Make sure you go there. Uh, you can. Subscribe to the uh, Patreon. You can be, or I'm sorry, not a page on the uh, the Kickstarter. I can't even talk today. Jeez. Um, Damn it, Mike. Yeah, I know, right? I'm ruining everything. So well, you can you can sign up to the Patreon too. Oh, there's I'm a pa- see. That. Look at that. Well, it's like I knew. So there's a Patreon and there's a Kickstarter, and all of these things can help Mr. Connolly do the amazing artwork that he is doing. So definitely help him out. Uh, check out his artwork. Uh, follow him on Facebook. I mean, he's on Instagram too. Uh, any support is appreciated. I'm sure. So. Let's jump in, Steve. Uh, I've got some special theme music for you since you're the one that wrote the uh, the music or wrote the music. You wrote the uh, the article for our geek sheets. I'm gonna go ahead and start the music for you for our geeky nerd music stuff. Tell me you get the joke, right? Oh yeah. Okay. It's Huey Lewis and the news for in the news. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> and it's also appropriate because it's from back to the future yeah. and we're going back to the stories that happened this past week man so it's like it's so many levels it's just so many levels mike professional love it you know what you're doing um so this this geek sheets thing mike's mentioned a couple times and you're probably going what in the world is he talking about um so we're starting a new segment and i i want to you said this is the brainchild of mr andy barsh that's correct yeah the original the original concept like the name for it was andy's back in like 2015 is that right andy Probably, yeah, sure. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, so again, the, the, it's a very collaborative effort over here at GGR. The important thing is that it was my idea, and I deserve all the money. So there you go. Send it my way. <laughs> you, you've already gotten everything we've gotten from it, pal. So yeah. um, yes. no, But what, what we uh, have done is we're starting this new segment where early in the week, um, we're writing up an article called The Geek Sheets, and it's going to have the date on it. And it's going to talk over some of the major news headlines from stuff that's geeky, comic books, movies, TV show, music, what, what have you. Anything that's big and important and interesting. Um, and so there's just little blurbs about that. So please go to the website, uh, greatgeekrefuge.com. You'll find it right on the, the cover there, uh, right on the, the homepage. And then we'll, uh, every Friday on our weekly show that you're listening to right now, uh, get a little bit more in depth into each of those topics. So you get a little bit of a teaser, a little bit of preview in the beginning of the week, and then the end of the week you get to have it marinate, and then we really get the full breadth of it. Um, so we're going to talk about three different topics today. The first one, um, a little bit more on the sensitive side, and the other two are going to be a little more fun. But um, anyone who's a fan of the MCU out there probably has heard about the whole James Gunn situation. And even more information's come out since we wrote this article on Monday. But he was given the boot, not not going to be directing or writing the uh, Guardians Volume Three because of some some nastiness with tweeting. And I know that Mike, you and I started talking about this earlier yeah. in the week, and we want to talk about it on the pod about it's happening in sports right now, it's happening in Hollywood right now. People going into someone's Twitter history from like years and years and years ago and pulling up old tweets that by all means are inflammatory or derogatory or something along those lines, but using that against them now. And I think we wanted to have a little bit of a chit chat, especially around the whole James Gunn thing. Yeah. And like what I'll do is um, 
just just so everybody's clear, what we'll do is I'll um, Steve started it. I will give my piece, and then um, we'll let uh, Steve Connolly talk, and then Andy, you can uh, kind of close this out, and we'll go into our new topic. Um, the, the the whole concept behind it, like the problem that we're running into, is everybody is still trying to figure out exactly what this internet thing is and how we should use it, and. Mr. James Gunn, back when he was still trying to figure out who he was as a director, what he was going to be, wanted to use it as this, like, I'm shocking, I'm the Howard Stern of movie directing, because I'll say shocking things that nobody else will say, or I'll say things that are that are funny but mean and cruel and rude and crass. And, like, he was, I don't want to say he was playing a part, but he kind of was. He was trying to project what he wanted to be, and and honestly, we, I think we've all done this. Now, granted, he was he was old. I mean, he was in his thirties when he was doing this. But like, we're we're all when we're trying to be these media personalities, whether we're trying to be a podcaster or a writer or or whatever, we all want to portray a certain aura about us. And that was what he chose at the time. It was wrong, obviously, because of the way he was doing it and the things that he was saying. But like. In this particular instance, I think that he's getting he's catching a lot of flack for something that he already apologized for first off. After the first Guardians movie came out, this came up once before. And he was like, Look, I was I was stupid. I was I, I really wanted was just going for shock value. It was dumb. And I've I've grown since then and I, I apologize profusely for it. I don't understand why it got brought up again and then why it was enough to fire him because I felt like he had already atoned for it. It just seems kind of kind of unnecessary, kind of vulgar at this point. I mean, like, pardon the pun, for them to go back on something like this and now it now it's a big deal when it wasn't a big deal, what, four or five years ago when uh when the first Guardians came out. Um I just I, I don't think that he should have been fired for it. I, I think that there there's much worse that's been done in real life as opposed to what's on the internet. And I don't I don't feel like a Twitter account for a movie director is something that should be he should be held accountable for when he was essentially just making trying to make jokes whether they were in poor taste or not it's i think it's completely different than like our president using it as his means of communication for the entire world but that's a topic for another show that we're not going to touch on here at ggr so um steve what, what's your take on this you're gonna have to be more specific. oh i'm sorry uh artist and guest steve Connolly, what's your take on this Oh, gosh, I hope you met the other Steve. Uh, <laughs> my sense is right now, this feels like as kind of someone who's definitely I'm, I'm, I'm a I'm kind of a lefty liberal, um, not entirely, but uh, and I really don't talk about politics all that much. But for the most part, I'm kind of I, I see this as the left is kind of cleaning house. It feels like the opposite of the Tea Party movement, where uh, on the, the when the right had no branches of government. They were like, okay, we can't do anything, but we can at least clean up our own house. And it feels like right now the left is, okay, we can't do anything about the three branches of government, but we can clean up our own house. And so that's why you see Al Franken stepping down, but no one on the right. You you, know, you have people who have similar problems, you know, sure, uh, Roy Moore can still run for Senate, but Al Franken has to step down immediately and steps and chooses to step down immediately. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a, again, they're not a politics show, but... But that, as an observer of this stuff, looking at this stuff, I did a political comic strip in 2008 as well, and I was like, I'm not going to do that again. This, that, 2008 seems quaint by modern comparison. To <laughs> yeah. But um, 
but it seems like the left is cleaning it, cleaning up house right now. But I think that all this stuff was ginned up by someone on the right who was opposed to Jim Gunn's Jim Gunn. You James, yeah, but yeah, I'm James sure Gunn. I'm sure people call him um, Jim too. Um, uh, they were offended by his politics and was looked up stuff that he had said that was incendiary and. Yes, he'd apologize for it, but then really at Disney, I mean, it's a question for Disney, but it seemed to be that he was fired before most people knew what had happened. And so I think people felt like there's no due process for him on that. And I know Dave Batista, yeah. the playing Drax, has said, if he's not involved, I'm not involved. Uh, at least that was my understanding of it. I, 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 uh, yeah, that that came out. I just He just said that a couple days ago. Like yeah. I think it was like Wednesday or something where he's like, if if and I think technically said if they don't use James Gunn's script, I don't know if he went so far as to say that like if you don't rehire him and he's the director, I'm out of here. But they basically said if you don't use his story, then don't bother. I'm not going to be a part of it. And I think he said he'll specifically honor his contract. Like he, I think he, he said that. I think it was in that context. Like first and foremost, I'll honor whatever I'm obligated to honor. But you know that was his feelings on it. But I, I don't know. I I I I don't know. People make mistakes. I don't feel like you judge someone by the worst thing they've done or worst thing they've said you judge them by how they atone for it um so i don't know i i i, I don't no I, I think that that's very very true um because it's not that it's not like james gunn said these incendiary things and then was just like ah pff, no it was no big deal he legitimately apologized for it he felt bad about it and he's done a lot of great things with uh the community with charity to not really so much atone for that, but show that like that was just him running his mouth trying to make a name for himself for being shocking and edgy. Whereas the guy who pointed this out, and I can't even remember the guy's name because this is how inconsequential he is. The guy who pointed it out and made a big deal about it, that's all he does is say incendiary and horrible things on a regular basis. So that's who he is. I feel like this stuff with James Gunn was an outlier as opposed to a, a true showing of his character. Um, yeah, and... And it feels weird because he's the director of Guardians of the Galaxy, like the least important Marvel property ever. <laughs> Frankly, I mean, it was really like of all the guys to it's not like he's the spokesman. It's not like he's CEO of Disney. It, it's uh, it felt it felt the, I don't know. It felt uh, what his punishment felt out of proportion with yeah. what his crime. It's not like he was going after the Russo brothers here, you know, like it's yeah, yeah he's not going yeah, after the people like that's Feige's Twitter Twitter feed coming up. No, and, and that's a that's a really good point too, Steve, is it's not Kevin Feige's, but like we're seeing that like the big people know better. Like maybe they're going through and expunging their Twitter accounts. But we were talking about it in context of baseball. There has been a just a slew of professional baseball players that have been outed on their Twitter accounts for saying horribly racist things. Now, here's the context with that though, too. Most of these guys are in their early twenties. And their Twitter accounts have been around since they were 15 or 16 years old. Now, that doesn't excuse it. But as all of us as males know, when you were younger and you were hanging around guys that were the same age as you, you guys said off-color things to each other. That's kind of what everybody did. The only problem is, is now that Twitter exists, because most of us are old enough that we didn't have Twitter when we were kids, Like none of us stuff that we said or did when we were in high school is recorded so that it can be used against us and like <laughs> speak for yourself. I know you're a model citizen, Andy Barsh. Um, I, I, yeah, I feel like if the things that I said while my brain was still developing in puberty 
yeah. were, were maintained on the internet for perpetuity for anyone to look up at any time. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'd probably be in jail or something. It would be bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think if you're not legally allowed to vote, I, we're basically saying you're not really responsible for your behavior. I mean, I think we're, I think anything said before that time, but once you're, once you're a grown up, you kind of have to, you got to stand by it and then atone for it. You know, uh, I think it, it's a shame that it, but what does it mean for sports agents and sports reps now to have to go vetting their social media history of every potential prospect yeah. to make sure that they're all I'm saying though, is, is like, yeah, right. Like all I'm saying is, is like you go to your guy, you find this guy who's, who, who's hitting home runs left and right on the high school baseball field. And he's throwing guys out from the outfield on a regular basis. He's just a baseball stud. You're going to say, Hey, I'm so-and-so I'm a, a, a scout for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, I would like to offer you a contract, but first things first, what's your Twitter handle? And I'm looking it up and I'm saying, you need to delete your Twitter today and all of it needs to go away. And then after that, creating a brand new one and saying, don't say anything that would piss me off, basically. <laughs> like, like you need to be smart. If you don't want to have to lose potential money from, um, from sponsors, from a contract, then you need to be smart about this and, and not make this about like what you think is funny or shocking. Well, right. I mean, since the, the I go back to that old rule, if you wouldn't say it with your mother in the room, you really shouldn't say it at all. Yeah, basically. Yeah, you mean, know what I mean? Like, if, don't don't be typing that kind of stuff on Twitter for all the world to if see. If the what sports doing. world grew up in a, it developed in a time, no when one cares if I do it, you know, because I'm nobody. But like, you're you're someone who's going to be making yeah big had, money. Yeah, million dollar contracts, and maybe they shouldn't be paid as much if they're going to be representatives of a sports team as representatives of a city. You know, you can't have them saying all that stuff and representing Washington D.C. Uh, yeah, that's know. it right there. If you, if that's the way to get it done, though. Like, put it, put it in the contracts. You know, make it part of the collective bargaining agreement and say, yeah, okay, we're going to put a social media clause in here, and here's all the rules and things that we're going to outline, and you're allowed to do whatever you want, but here are the consequences for these certain actions. The same way that they have the conduct policy in general. Like, if you go and you know get into a bar fight technically yeah. you're not representing the team at that point but you as a human being are kind of an employee and represent the team all the time so there's certain consequences you can do whatever you want but this is what happens and it's and it's weird that double baseball has the highest standard applied to it because of it being the national pastime i mean i don't yeah. think you're gonna see you know <laughs> the guys over in world soccer are like come on i've said worse things than this why doesn't anyone give me any attention <laughs> They're going to start saying more inflammatory things just to get attention. <laughs> um, like espousing genocide and stuff like yeah, that. I, I think just that's what Dan, Doug Stanhope was saying, that you know he's done way worse than Louis, and no one cares. Yeah. Because he's... <laughs> he's not as famous as Louis C.K. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, I just I think that like the one thing I, I don't want to do is, because like, I've already caught myself doing it as, at, you know, at 36. I'm already just like doing this thing like, back in my day, we didn't do such things. It didn't matter. I'm, I'm not going to do that because that's pointless. It's it's the world we live in now, and I and I have to accept that. But everybody else has to accept that too. And if you don't want to catch guff for the things that you said, then maybe you need to go through and delete the things that might be objectionable. Like it's 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 pretty it's pretty simple. Um, Andy, we and, haven't and gotten young, a chance to hear from you, but Steve, go ahead, and then Andy, I want to hear I'm your sorry. your take on this. And, no, and, young, and, and the good news is this is supposed to be the learning part. This is the part where young people are supposed to learn. That's not how you're supposed to behave. And the best thing that comes out of this is that there's none of these tweets to worry about later on. Yes, it's hurtful. For, it, it's not hurtful. Yes, it's punishing to the people who are getting caught now, but they shouldn't have behaved that way. They, I'm sure they regretted behaving. The good ones regretted behaving that way. 
and don't stand by their past nonsense. And people grown up now should know you just that's not how men talk or men should talk. And, you know, and then and that's, like, you know, then you don't have to worry about this in the future, too. Andy, what's your take on all this, man? Uh, I uh, I agree with a lot of you with a lot of what you guys are saying. Uh, to me, I think it's I think it's weird how Disney will just fire him like on a whim like that. Like I sort of think, you know, that they not look this guy's you know back you know like his resume up. Like they forget that, like when he first started out, he was making trauma movies. You know, not very PC type stuff. So they should have been aware that he you know. Whether they're jokes or not, it, you know, he's he's probably going to say some stuff like this, so they should be prepared for that. And but then at the other, you know, like Disney themselves has also made like those crazy ass, like not very, you know, PC type movies. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Song of the South and stuff yeah, like exactly. that. Exactly, Song of the South. Um, I mean, yeah, it is a perfect those, example. Yeah, those Chinese uh, Siamese cats or whatever it was in that one movie. Yeah, playing from, the piano from, with chopsticks. Yeah, Lady Lady and the Tramp. Um, yeah, there's um, there's the the very overly racist crows from Dumbo, like that are exactly. obviously like a character of African American uh, also, men. The movie Dumbo, just in its entirety, it's garbage. Hey, <laughs> you leave Dumbo out of this. Uh, the, Santa, the Santa Claus <laughs> is garbage. All three movies. We're not here to just to trash movies, guys. Okay, we're talking about <laughs> actual. Stuff. We're geeks. Okay, we get, okay anyway, but <laughs> but you know, for me, this is kind of good because I'm a big fan of the movie he wrote called The Belko Experiment. I'm hoping he'll just take the time off and write a sequel to that. But uh, dude, I just watched that movie two nights ago. What'd you think? That movie, I I loved it. It was so messed up, but it's so good. And that's James Gunn. You know, like. Look up this. Look up the trailer. You don't have to look up the movie. Look up the trailer for this movie he wrote called Romeo and Juliet. The trailer is filled with some of the most messed up shit you've ever seen in your life, and that's the same guy who's doing Guardians of the Galaxy now. Well, I guess used to anyway. So, but yeah, I, I, I think it's silly that they acted the way they did, just firing him on the spot. But I don't see why. And you guys touched on this a little bit too. Why do these rules on Twitter apply to people like James Gunn? but not to people with more global influence, you know, like, Hey, you can't be saying that stuff, but this guy can say whatever he wants, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, our, our, our president, and again, not to get into the political stuff because GGR is, is a refuge away from that sort of stuff, but just to touch on it real quick. Yeah. It does seem kind of hypocritical that the quote unquote right side is, has no problem with him saying all the incendiary things that he says on his Twitter account. But as soon as they find a tweet, that's like 10 years old that James Gunn wrote. Oh, they've got a problem with that. And that's, I think that that'll be, I think we're all kind of on the same page with this. Um, so we'll go ahead and we'll move on to our next topic of the geek sheets. Steve Monick, what is our next topic on the geek sheets, my friend? So anyone who watched the last Jedi knows that like the, topic was you learn the most from your failures so let's hope james gunn learns from that huh hey watch the last jedi i like that i like Um, that tie-in that was and we're gonna segue right into the next one which is episode nine started principal photography and they've released the the cast list as well look out there's it's gonna stop and catch my breath every time i hear that 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 music um (laughs) but yeah uh, there's not really a whole lot to mention about it i mean they started filming they released the cast listing the only real big kind of like piece from that the actress carrie russell um 
she's been cast in nine and she hasn't been in the last two so everyone's like is that spray's mom because the theories have to start up again obviously yeah. um there's nothing else to do with our time except talk about various star wars theories so yep. <laughs> um but yeah that's that's starting so obviously there's going to be a whole bunch of people flying drones over places and getting set photos and speculating off of why this guy's costume's a different shade of color than it was in the last movie and, and whatnot and I can't wait for all of those things. I'm I'm of the same belief. Like I I get that for some people it's annoying and for some people it's like, "Oh, just wait till the movie comes out. Why do you care?" It's so much fun because for a lot of us uh, of this age range, you know, like you're you're like I would say less than when, when did the first one come out? 77. So you would have yes, to have been born in 77. Yeah, so you would have had to have been born like right around that time so that you weren't really aware of Star Wars. But, like, we didn't have this because, first off, we're seeing all of these movies as children after they've come out, well well after the fact. So we didn't get to have this, like, these conversations about, oh, my God, who do you think Darth Vader is? Or, like, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, like, he just chopped off Luke's hand. Like, oh, and it turns out he's his father. Like, holy crap, what's going to happen in Return of the Jedi? We now get to have that conversation, and it's kind of fun because you didn't get to have that with the prequels. The prequels, we, we all kind of knew what was going to happen. Like, oh, he was a little kid. Well, now he's going to turn into Darth Vader at some point. Like, we all knew nothing what was... could prepare us for Jar Jar, though. No, no, nothing ever. Um, I just I'm I'm super excited about this. I I personally loved the Last Jedi. I didn't think there was any issue with it. I'm just really Do you have any sort of like well written, articulated, <laughs> to, you know, case for that anywhere, Mike. <laughs> Yes, I do. Thank you for the tie-in. Um, if you guys go to thegreatgeekrefuge.com, so greatgeekrefuge.com, um, there's a whole series of Last Jedi uh, analysis that I did where I did, I want to say I did three articles total. The first one was just kind of like a rewatching of the movie because the first time I saw it when it came out in December, I had just found out that I had a kidney stone. So I was in some pretty gnarly pain and I was on some opioid painkillers and it's entirely possible that like I could have watched any movie and been like, that was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, so I had to rewatch it again when it came out on Blu-ray. And um, I just gave my thoughts on that and all of the um, all of the fervor that's going on right now. Um, I really honestly think that like uh, you guys should check these articles out first off. But secondly, I think a lot of the issues with The Last Jedi is a very vocal minority. I don't think that there's that many people that actually disliked the movie. It's just the people who disliked it are very, very loud about it. And yeah, there are issues with the movie, just like any Star Wars movie, just like any movie ever for that, for that matter. But like it was, it was bold. It, it, it did something that no other Star Wars movie has done other than Empire Strikes Back, where it was like, hey, you think this is going in one direction? We're taking it in a completely different direction and we're going to do something that no other movie like this has done before. And I personally enjoyed it. I've, I've already watched the movie like three or four times since I've uh, picked it up on Blu-ray. Um, I'm just, the only concern that I have is, is they've got a lot of ground to cover in episode nine. This is probably going to be a four part, like a four hour movie. It, they've actually talked about it. it might be a two part movie. So I'm interested to see how they're going to follow this up. Um, Steve, are you, are you Steve Connolly artist Steve Connolly of, uh, middle-aged fame. How would you rate yourself as a Star Wars fan? Are you a big Star Wars fan? Are you kind of passive about it? Uh, I was a big fan growing up. Uh, I, I've, I've seen all the movies. Um, I, I have mixed feelings about the latest one, but I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of uh, Star Wars for sure. 
I think everyone growing up when we did, yeah, when I did, are huge fans. I I, I saw it in the theater when I was six or seven, uh, and it blew my mind. And but uh, you know, I've always been more of a Trekkie than a Star Wars fan, but uh, I, I love I do love Star Wars. Yeah. So you said you had mixed feelings about um, about Last Jedi. What was what were your issues with it? Uh, well, I, I I didn't have problems with where most people did. I didn't have problems with the the I don't know the telepathy angle or hopefully you've layered this with spoilers or assume everyone's seen it by now yeah anybody who's listening to this has seen it yeah but uh I of all things I had trouble with uh warping into an enemy because I felt like okay that changes war forever it once you allow people to do that that I just see droids behind the wheels of anything just slamming into everything it felt maybe shades of 9-11 factored into my thinking but it it uh, it felt crazy horrible that that was. I mean, it, it was spectacular cinematography. I felt like the moment in the film was was breathtakingly handled. But I felt as in terms of a storytelling mechanism, you've messed it up for everyone to follow you. That sort of thing. Like, I, how do you? Yeah. How does that not solve every problem going forward? Yeah, I, I I see what you're saying. Okay, I mean that's a really good point too. Like, it's I never really thought of it in, in terms of that specifically. So. Um, yeah, I think that's a wonderful point that you just made there. Um, I also thought it was weird that when, when the, uh, I forget her name, but the Admiral with the pink hair. Oh, Holdo. Uh, yeah. Admiral yeah, Holdo. Yeah, when she, when she says, she says like Godspeed. And I thought that was a very interesting choice for the story because I don't think they'd introduced God, God into the Star Wars canon at that point. I Isn't think it? She, yeah. Everyone, it's yeah, all the force at this point. Said, like, yeah. May the force be with you or something like that. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one, uh, Andy. What are what were? How did you feel about the Last Jedi? Pretty much, I I enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, it has its share of problems, but it's still a watchable movie. It's still got a lot of entertainment, you know, in it. Uh, I was happy to see. For me, it was just happy to see Yoda as a puppet again. Yeah, because when you put Yoda as CGI, he has no personality. He's totally unlikable. He's a complete dick. Uh, when he's a puppet, you can't help but love him. Yeah, I I, t- I tend to agree. Um, that was actually my biggest problem with the Last Jedi was Yoda, not that he was a puppet because I agree that's nice, but the fact that like in Empire he acts like a crazy weirdo because he's testing Luke to be like he just thinks I'm some little like Dagobah swamp creature, and he's acting like a nutbag, and then he's like all serious regular Je- Jedi Yoda. But apparently when he's a ghost, he just acts like crazy frat boy Yoda all over again. <laughs> like he acts like a crazy weirdo. Like shouldn't he still be reserved Yoda and not like laughing and acting like a nutbag? I'm just saying he's a part of the force now. He no longer is constrained by his uh, his uh, earthly <laughs> remains, you know, so he can do whatever he wants. And maybe he wants maybe to Maybe he be. is a frat boy at heart. You ever yeah. think about that? Yeah. <laughs> he never got a chance to be because he's been Jedi Yoda the whole time. Or he just or he was always a frat boy, but he became Grandmaster Yoda because he outlived everybody else. So Yoda's going to a kegger. Mm. <laughs> kegger, I must go. Mm. All right, guys. Let's... Show boobs, you must. Mm. Oh, yeah. On that note, let's <laughs> let's uh, transition into uh, the next one that is on our list. And I've got some music for this because I am so excited about what's coming. And, and Steve, I know you're excited about it. Uh, both Steves, as a matter of fact. I, got, I know you guys are both excited about what uh, this next little piece of the Geek Sheets is going to be about. But let me go ahead and key up the music first here real quick. Helps if my computer wants to work with me here. 
yeah, Steve Prime. I got a little flutter in my heart when you said you're a, a Trekkie because this the next story in the Geek Sheets may have something to do with that. Yeah, I think I know where you're going with this. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Let's kick it off. Jean-Luc Picard himself, Patrick Stewart, has announced that he is coming back to Star Trek, and I couldn't be more excited. Steve, Monik, take this over, man. I can't even talk. I'm so excited. Yeah, uh, Jean-Luc Picard uh, announced that he is back. He is um, in works, and obviously, I mean, Patrick Stewart, I like to call him Jean-Luc Picard because we're best friends. Um, <laughs> no, he. there was a Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, and part of this whole CBS All Access where Star Trek Discovery is, they're expanding their library, and the next one is going to be a show involving Jean-Luc Picard. I imagine it's going to be very Star Wars sequel trilogy-esque, where it takes place after the four... Um, you know, I think the late, what was the last movie? Nemesis, Nemesis right? Yeah. When... That, was, that was the last chronological point that we saw Jean-Luc Picard at. I guess depending on which timeline you're talking about. Right? Am I right, nerds? Um, <laughs> but we... Uh... Yeah, very good joke. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they're going to be filming a new show. They have a little bit of like the creative team and Patrick Stewart. We don't really know when it's going to be released, any other cast members, any story plot points, nothing like that. It's very, very preliminary, but... That's really all we need, isn't it? Yeah, I'm. Uh, yes, I'm. I'm good. And like somebody, somebody actually said to me, "How do you feel about Patrick Stewart coming back? Like, do you think that this is too much? That they should have left it well enough alone?" No, absolutely not. Like, I'm so excited about this. Like, how could I, I can't see any Star Trek fan who would not be excited about this, other than a tiny bit of trepidation, where you're like, uh, maybe they're going to bring this character back and they shouldn't have and, and we're going to wish that they never brought it back but I, I don't see that happening I, 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 do, I don't see Patrick Stewart signing on for something that was going to do this this character that he loves a disservice Look, I guess you could be scared not about him portraying the character because obviously he'll, he'll nail it but if you look at the um, last couple like, like I know that Discovery is I, I guess we can put it as divisive. I think there's people that really like like The Last Jedi, really, really like it, or really were kind of like, eh, this is not Star Trek to me. Yeah. And, and Enterprise before that wasn't uh, super popular. Not not a ton of people were into that as much. So yeah. I guess you could be maybe worried a little bit about the creative team writing it. Um, even if you're being honest, the, the Next Generation movies weren't tremendously um, yeah. up. They, they weren't up to the level of the show yeah. by any means. You yeah. know? I would take I would take any two parter from TNG as like a film quote quote over any of the actual feature films that were made. The only one I would disagree with is the, actually the music I'm playing right now, and that's First Contact. I think First, First Contact. Contact was their was their opus, and and it just happened to be directed by Jonathan Frakes, which I found interesting. Like because Star Trek has a really interesting history too. If you look at all the movies, the some of the best movies that they've done are directed by people who starred in the series for an extended period of time. So, like, for instance, the original series movies, uh, Star Trek II was amazing. amazing. That was uh, directed by Nicholas Meyer. But the next best one, in my opinion, is Star Trek IV, which was directed by Leonard Nimoy. So when you have somebody that's that intimately familiar with the material, only good things are going to happen. 
and I and Jonathan Frakes has actually directed episodes of Discovery. I personally, I'm of the undivisive side. I I love Discovery. I really enjoyed it. It was fun. It was that was that was what was cool about it for me is it was the first time since the '90s I remember Star Trek being fun. And every other time it's just been like, well, this is okay, I guess. And like, yeah, it's. If the, if that's the kind of life that they bring to this with with uh, Jean, uh with, I was gonna say Jean Luc again too because again we're friends as well, um, <laughs> if this is the kind of li- uh, life that Patrick Stewart is going to have with the new Star Trek incarnations that we're seeing, I'm all for it and I think a little new a new blood is not a bad thing because it got to a point like if you watch uh, Voyager all the way through, most of the writing was done by guys who had written on TNG, and it had gotten kind of stale. They were just doing the same things over and over again and it just wasn't as exciting as it could have been and a new blood new new takes i mean to use a star trek reference you know you know come now mr scott young young idea young minds and fresh ideas let's be tolerant i'm the same way like you need to be tolerant and let other people try to invigorate this fan base invigorate this thing that we all love so much just um, like J.J. Abrams did. There, exactly. Yeah, it, it's you may not have liked it. You may, it may not have been your cup of tea, <laughs> but you got to appreciate that that they're trying some new things and they're trying to bring a new generation of of fans to this series that we love so much. Um, That's why Mike is a big fan of Star Trek Into Darkness. It's his favorite of all the Star Trek films. Oh, don't do that to me, <laughs> son of a bitch! Hey, did you know <laughs> that Kirk was saved by Tribble? Stop it, Andy. Stop it. Stop it right now. Stop it right now. I swear to God. <laughs> it was like, okay, so Star Trek Into Darkness. Mike Tribbles Cure Here Diabetes. <laughs> Star Trek Into Darkness started off. The first hour of I that movie. Him. I got him going. Oh, I um, hate you, Steve. God, Steve Monick. So Star Trek Into Darkness, the first hour of that movie is great because it's, it's a friggin' commentary on our current world and terrorism. And it's beautifully done. And it's like, wow, this is really going to say something. And then it was like, it's like they pitched the idea for the script, and they were like, man, that's a really great start. How are you going to end it? And they were like, uh, crap. Um, let's steal the ending from Star Trek II, um, Rathacon, and let's smash some Nemesis in there, and it'll be fine, right? Nobody's going to notice, right? And it was just such a ripoff, and it was so derivative. And the fact that they had to make Benedict Cumberbatch, they had to make him con, it was so unnecessary. He could have just been um john harrison and just been a terrorist who's pissed off at the federation and it would have been a perfectly acceptable story but you had to force Khan in there because you wanted everybody to be like oh, it's Khan. but then like the other thing is is like none of the crew are going to appreciate that because they don't know who Khan is because this is a different timeline none of them have ever even met him and then yeah, and like to well, make no him point in the story where they build up who that character is when he say his name is Khan. Yeah. Every kid in the audience was like, dad, who's that? Yeah, exactly. Who's Khan? Right. Like, yeah. but then on top of like that, a, uh, that's Genghis like, Khan, he son. Ripped, he was like a ripped, uh, Latino gentleman who wore a very weird vest shirt. Yeah. We all, we were all scared of him. It was a great time. <laughs> it was, it was good times. We loved it, man. It was awesome. But like, and then on top of that too, like when they have to ask old Spock, if they should trust Khan, that, that tells you right there that there's a problem. Hey, let's go ask the guy who was alive in the other timeline if we can trust this dude. Like, it, like Prime Spock is now your MacGuffin that can just fix everything? Like, uh, like was, was the fact that he, didn't, that he killed thousands of people with a terrorist d- a device, that wasn't enough to tell you that he was a piece of crap? Like, you need to have old Spock tell you, oh, don't trust this guy. Well, he's a terrorist. That's why you can't trust him. Ugh. 
Everything so what Mike is saying is he's very excited John luc Picard is back. Every, everything about J.J. Abrams' Star Trek I felt was summed up with, like since it was a remake of Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, where yeah. in the original one, spoilers, yeah. so Spock goes in to save the ship and he has to wear these gloves and he's got to go into the reactor and he's got to go in there and do all this mechanical stuff that only someone of his intellect can analyze and figure out and survive and fix this thing and make the ship go and save everybody. And in J.J. Abrams' version, Kirk literally kicks the engine until it goes. <laughs> That's right. That's how he solved the problem. Well, Why isn't it working? Guys... I'm going to kick. You're just going to kick it until it goes. That's, that summed it up for me. <laughs> well, thank you guys for spoiling three different movies for me. <laughs> Not a problem, Andy. <laughs> By the way, RoboCop is the villain. Wait, what? Yeah, Peter RoboCop Robo is the villain. Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> Mike, trying, I, I know I know you've probably never seen RoboCop before, but there's an actor named Peter Weller. I know, I know. And he I, was the bad guy in that in, in that, but he I played thought, RoboCop. I thought Andy was dropping some truth knowledge on us, where it's like, have you not noticed if you watch RoboCop, RoboCop's actually the villain of the movie. That's what I thought he meant. But he was saying Admiral Marcus, played by Peter Weller, who was RoboCop. Was okay. I get it now. Thank you. Okay. I thought like you blew my mind there for a second. I was like, wait, RoboCop's the bad guy in the movie RoboCop? Like, are you serious? Like, it, okay. Never mind. He is kind of violent. I mean, he really shoots with without giving due process. Yeah. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. Um, anyways, after just having my Star Trek fandom stomped all over, yeah, I'm excited about Picard, I guess. Thanks. Well, what do you guys <laughs> think they're going to do? Like, do you think it's going to be a uh, like another season of Next Generation or what? I Supposedly, and like again, this is, these are fanboys losing their minds about it. They're all saying that if the timeline that we saw in, if the timeline that we saw in the original series in, in uh, the Next Generation continues, that part of the last episode, the finale, if we take it chronologically from there, it's actually five years after the finale. So, I don't know if that's actually going to transpire. But like honestly, I would just really like to see him one more time on the bridge of the Enterprise going into retirement like this is my you know like i'm getting too old for this crap kind of thing just one more time leading that ship and then we see like a crossover with uh riker in command of the uss titan but we get to see what happened to data because like there's some fan fiction not fan fiction it was actually like licensed books of data came back to life basically because he uploaded all of his memories into b4 so i personally would love to see what brent spiner can do with the data character in essentially like more or less reincarnating himself into another artificial being and how that works. And does that mean that he has to kill B4 in order to take over his body? Like that's, that's some deep stuff that Star Trek loves handling is like, where do you draw the line and with what's life and what's not life, especially with somebody like data who you've established is a living being. I suppose if you can do something like as complicated as doing some of the stories with like the teleporter, and being like, am I actually still me, or am I just a copy of me, and, and all that kind of stuff? And yeah, um, I think it was was it Voyager where the two people got fused together in the teleporter, and they're like, no, like we don't want to be unfused. Like we're happy being this this thing. Like this is who I am now. I'm this one thing. So yeah, like they definitely have a lot of what is existence, what is in, in that universe. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um, artificially putting that on data and before would make a ton of sense oh yeah 
Um, real quick, and then we'll we'll move into our favorite sci-fi shows of all time. Um, Steve, what are your thoughts? Steve Connolly, uh, your thoughts on um, Patrick Stewart coming back for for uh, his uh, ride into the sunset, so to speak. I think that would be. I'm, I'm super excited. I think it's great. I think we. I want to see the next. I, I hopefully we'll see the next crew of the Enterprise because he's captain of the Enterprise until he tells us otherwise, and nobody wants to see him retire just yet. So, um, but starting off a new crew, I, Discovery, I, I felt was a mixed bag. I felt like it was set in the DC cinematic universe, uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm really excited about a new Star Trek series with him for sure. Yeah, uh, Andy, your thoughts on uh, Picard coming back? I'm excited. I love Patrick Stewart. I love Next Generation, even though I haven't finished watching the entire show. Uh, I, I agree with uh, Steve Conley. I'm hoping that like he kind of starts a new, like he, like maybe he comes back to the Enterprise or he starts with a new crew and trains them before somebody else takes over and that leads to something different. Yeah, I don't know, but I I think it, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm, and I think that that's kind of the consensus. It's been very little negative thought process on this um from really any there's a lot of lens flare on the new enterprise <laughs> jesus welcome to the planet thank you for listening to part one of our episode stay tuned for part two mike and steve discuss the favorite sci-fi tv shows with guests andy barch and steve conley 